American United has a convenient branch right at the VA Medical Center, along with eight other locations across Utah. As a member, our veterans get the best rates on loans and savings products. Learn more at amucu.org. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for $2.99 subs. How would you like it? Uh, I'll take Drill Sergeant, please. You got it. All right, now listen up. I want each and every one of you to drop and give me a six-inch meatball marinara, cold-cut combo, veggie delight, or black forest ham on your choice of bread with any veggies you want for just $2.99 each. Subway! Make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied. Welcome to Ideation Collective. I'm Jess Larson. Today on the show, we've got Josh Steinle. Chief Marketing Officers, 29 made it into the book. And I was able to get through and get interviews with CMOs from companies like GE, Spotify, Target, PayPal. Just some great brands. This is another episode of our Innovation and Leadership series where we interview pro athletes, world-class musicians, CEOs, Hollywood filmmakers, and a wide variety of other high achievers. Before we get rolling, we want to invite you to get involved in the charity our founders helped start called Child Rescue. We work to combat child sex trafficking in the U.S. and globally. The top project you could help with now is in Cusco, Peru. There are 20 girls that the local government rescued but didn't have anywhere to keep them safe, so they put them in jail. The government has said that they're willing to give custody of these kids to the aftercare facility we're helping to expand now once we raise enough money and build an extra building there. To learn more, please click on the Child Rescue tab on our website, which is iCollective.co. So with that out of the way, let's get to the interview. Josh, thanks for making time. Thank you, Jess. I'm happy to be here. So um, you you have your own agency. You've written over 200 articles for Forbes and Mashable and TechCrunch and all these magazines. Um, you're, uh, you're a skater, which is obviously very important. We're going to have to talk about that. Um, you're an American living in Hong Kong. I, I think this is going to be a fun episode. Um, but I'm interested, when you meet somebody new, what, how do you introduce yourself? What do you tell people that you do? Yeah, sometimes it's a little tough. I have to get a feel for what the person is interested in. Uh, so yeah, when I meet somebody who's into action sports, I talk about being a skater. When I meet somebody who's in business, I tell them I'm running an agency. If I meet a writer, I tell them, oh yeah, I've written some articles for some publications and my book just came out. So it depends who I'm talking to, but usually I describe myself as a speaker, a writer, and an entrepreneur. That's fun. Um, so let's talk about how funny it is that I randomly found you on the internet and how many things we have in common, beginning with like the obscure thing of we were both illustration majors at Rick's College to start to start our adulthood. Um, but uh Actually, I want to start there. Why, why did you Why did you choose that? Why What was uh, What was it about illustration that attracted you? Yeah, that's so funny. I think you might be the first person I've just randomly met who said, "Oh yeah, I did illustration at Rick's College." I'm like, "What? How many people have done that?" And uh, for me, that was just kind of the default. I grew up in Southern California. I grew up skateboarding, reading books, and drawing, and that's all I knew how to do. I wasn't real motivated around math or anything. My, my dad was a rocket scientist, so he was into physics and he was a math teacher and he's really good with all that. And that just did not rub off on me at a young age. So I hated math, but I knew how to draw. So I thought, well, I guess I'm going to be an artist because that's the only thing I enjoy doing. And I 
really don't want to do anything I don't enjoy doing. So I just thought I'm going to go to art school and I wanted to go to art center in Pasadena, California, but I decided I would go to a different school first. So I went up to Rick's, which is of course now BYU, Idaho. And I took a year of illustration classes there and I absolutely loved that. So um, this is hilarious. So for everybody, I, I found Josh online because I've been part of Young Entrepreneurs Council, and for people who don't know, that they do things like help CEOs get placed in Forbes and, and other publications like this. And uh, so I just randomly started Googling, you know, I wonder how to do this without somebody like YEC helping me. And Josh's stuff shows up all over the place, you know, multiple places. It's kind of rises to the top of Google. And uh, so I reached out, ends up he's over in China. I say, let's, get on, let's do the show anyways. And we're finding all these things. Like it, I'm just laughing on this side here because, you know, I studied under all these art center grads like like Parsons and uh, Mr. Bird and uh, Jeff Carter, these different art center grads. Like my full gig was trying to do illustration so I could get into the uh, concept design, industrial design program at, at art center. Like that was my whole plan previous to uh, <laughs> dropping out. So one more connection. <laughs> yeah, seriously. OK, so tell us about this book. Tell us about your book. Did it just come out this month? Yes, it just came out. The book is called Chief Marketing Officers at Work. And there's a great little story behind this, which is that I got this because I lost a business deal. So I was in Hong Kong. I was pitching this company. Actually, I had already pitched this company. I had the deal. The deal was landed. It was a done deal. The only thing we had to do was go to the client's office and sign the contract, and then we were good. And the day I went over to sign the contract, there was a new person in the room. And before we could sign the contract, she said, hey, I'm the new CMO here. I just got hired on as the chief marketing officer and everything is on hold until I do an audit and figure out what's going on here. And then of course, she never got back to us and we never got that deal. And I walked out of there thinking, oh man, if we had just gotten this deal a week ahead of time, then it would have been signed. We would have been already working on it. She couldn't have stopped it but she just squashed our deal. So a few months later, we were talking together at my agency about our personas and who we market to. And I thought we really need to understand these CMOs better and who they are and what they do because they can kill our deals. And these are the people hiring us in a lot of cases. So I decided that I would write a book targeting chief marketing officers and it was going to be digital marketing for the CMO or something like that. And a few years previous, I had read a book called Founders at Work mm. by Jessica Livingston with Y Combinator. And this is a great book of interviews with famous founders, and they just tell their stories about how they started their businesses. And it's a great, great book for entrepreneurs and anybody in startups. And this book is part of a series. They have lawyers at work and coders at work and CTOs at work and so I thought, well, I'll just go read CMOs at work, and that's going to help me understand CMOs, and then I can go write this digital marketing for CMOs book. But when I go, went to go find CMOs at work, I couldn't find it, and searching for that book led me to the publisher's website, and then I saw that they have this series and that they invite people to write for them. So I reached out and said, hey, I can't find CMOs at work. Has anybody written this? Is anybody working on this? And if not can I write this book? I'd like to go out and interview all these CMOs and write the next book in your series. 
So they got back and they said, no, nobody's written it and we'd love to have you do it. So here's a contract and an advance. And I got this book deal and that's the book that just came out. So I went out and I interviewed 29, well, actually I interviewed 30 chief marketing officers, 29 made it into the book. And I was able to get through and get interviews with CMOs from companies like GE, Spotify, Target, PayPal, just some great brands. And I had a great time interviewing all these CMOs and learning about them. And I really got an education on what a CMO is. And it was just this great experience, but it wasn't the book I was planning on writing. It just kind of happened. And, but it's just been an amazing experience. And now the book's out there and it's great. So I'm looking at chief marketing officers at work on Amazon right now. And like this list is like, super impressive, right? You've got these Harvard Business School people and Spotify. And uh, the one I want to talk about is Audible. Like I, so I've been in Audible, not, you know, like doing one or two books a week for almost a decade now on Audible. Uh, can you talk about that interview for a minute? Yeah. And that's just one more connection we have. I'm a huge fan of Audible as well. I listen to everything on double speed so I can get through more stuff. And I feel like <laughs> I feel like I'm Audible's biggest customer. I, I've spent so much money on that website. But, but yeah, so uh, uh, Louis Gagnon, a uh, French guy, at least I think he's French. Maybe he's French-Canadian. I think he's French, if I remember correctly. But, uh, yeah, he was he was the CMO of Audible. He's actually moved on since then. And that's kind of funny, too, how many people I interviewed who have who had already moved on to other positions before the book even got published. <laughs> But yeah, I had a great time interviewing him. And the fun part was I asked a few questions about the product and about the app and said, hey, are you planning on doing this or that? And he's like, oh, yeah, we've thought about that. And then within two months of me interviewing him, they made these changes to the app that I'd brought up. And I thought, I wonder if there's a connection there. <laughs> that was just coincidence. But um but yeah, that was a really fun interview to do because I'm such a fan of Audible. And that's that's part of the reason I reached out to do that interview. Another part of the reason I reached out was I thought, hey, maybe if I reach out to Audible and get their CMO, and then when my book goes live on Audible, maybe I'll get some sort of preferential treatment on the Audible website. But now that Louis moved on, I, I don't know how that will play out, but we'll see. So that's my next question. I'm seeing the Kindle and the paperback here, and I'm I'm wondering, like, is there an audio version of this coming? Yes, it is coming. I've got a guy doing the voice right now, and it should be done by the end of September and should be up on their website. So um, while we're on this subject, um, well, first, every time we have authors on, I like to hear how how people do it. Um, you know, I don't know if you know the podcast um, by Jeff Goldsmith, where you interviews uh all the different screenwriters of, of big movies and he I, I love hearing the process because i feel like it gives me permission to write the way that i want to write but also gain insights on how to do it better so uh, a book like this um obviously there's a lot of interviews are you a every morning at 6 a.m kind of guy or is it you can just turn it on when you've got free time what's your what's your writing schedule like for some for a book for instance well, this book was interesting because it was all interviews. And when I started the book, I thought, oh, this is going to be so easy. I mean, this book just writes itself, right? I just call these people up, I do an interview. And then once I've got a bunch of those, I just slap them together and I've got a book. And having gone through this process now of 
putting together a book that I didn't even really write. It was so much work. I now have just crazy respect for anybody who puts out a book, even if it's riddled with errors and it's a terrible book. I still have so much respect because I realize how much work goes into putting together any book. And so this, this book, I didn't write it. I just did the interviews. So there was no, I couldn't stick to a schedule. I couldn't do like the wake up, write two pages before anything else type of thing, because I wasn't doing any writing. Mm -hmm. But what I had to do was I had to contact these people, get a hold of them, and then schedule interviews. And that turned out to be the bulk of the work was, you know, how do I get through to the CMO of GE? How do I get a hold of the chief marketing officer at Spotify? Yeah, yeah. How, do I, how do I sell these people on being part of this book? And then once I got them, once I got in contact with them, then it was, how do I actually get these people to sit down for an hour and go through this interview. One person who shall remain nameless, I scheduled 10 times with this person and they dropped out every time, including two times I was actually in the middle of the interview with them. And they'd say, I'm sorry, I got to get off this. I got something came up or I can't do this right now while we're doing the interview. And that person actually never even made it into the book. <laughs> And that wasn't just an isolated incident. It was really hard to just get on the schedule with these people and then get them to actually stick to the commitment. I mean, there were a lot of people where I had to schedule five, six times with them to get them interviewed. And that was the hardest part of writing this book was just getting everybody to sit down, even after they had already agreed to do it. Sure. Um, so I, I think that is a, an insight that makes sense, you know, with with what we do here with the show, trying to coordinate schedules and get people on, you know, I, I batch my interviews. I'm typically recording all Monday, you know, and we're releasing throughout the week. Um, and I, I typically have, you know, I know I need to schedule an extra 50% to hundred percent of the interviews I need because, you know, somewhere between a third to a half or some busy entrepreneur who's got a fire to put out or something like that. So that really resonates. Um, but you are really, I mean, this is on a whole nother level. Uh, I'm really interested in another one here. Walter Levitt, CMO for Comedy Central. Um, any insights yeah. for marketing Comedy Central? Uh, that, was, that was a fun one. Walter's a great guy and he's really easy to talk to. He's really personable. And uh, I can't remember any insights offhand. This is the hard part with doing interviews. About yeah, there's the so book, many of them. Ask me questions and I'm like, Man, you know, I did 30 of these and, you know, if I had written a book myself and it was all coming out of my head, it would be so easy to answer questions about it and just rattle things off, off the uh -huh. top of my head. But I find that when people are asking me and they're saying, oh, what lesson did you learn from so-and-so? And I'm like, I don't remember. I did 30 of these interviews. Like, and then I've done so much editing and going through the book and I've basically <laughs> read the book five times. And yet still like matching up every lesson with every person. Yeah. Uh, it, it's tough to do. And so I remember the, the interview and I think, oh yeah, that was a great interview. I remember Walter was really nice and really easy to work with and friendly and everything, but I'd have to go back and read the book again or read the interview again <laughs> to remember the lessons I learned from. Sure. So, um, but yeah, I mean, there were uh, a lot of interesting lessons I did get through from the book and some of the overall trends I got from the book are easier to remember. Yeah, and one of the trends about, was about that. Yeah. So one of the trends was I thought 
there would be, there was a lot of talk about data and big data with these CMOs, but not to the extent that I was expecting. I thought it was going to be all about data and all about, yeah, we're using tons of big data and this is how we make all our decisions today. And I was a little bit surprised because most of these CMOs, when I brought up big data or brought up data, they'd say, you know, data is great. We use a lot of data, especially compared to 10 or 15 years ago when marketing was virtually no data and it was just all about going by your gut and you were creative and either you got it right or you got it wrong. Today, there's so much data that they can use that these CMOs are more like accountants. I mean, these people are using more data than the CFO uses, but they all expressed how you can't rely on data too much because then you start making bad decisions because there isn't enough data to make up for what a human brings to the equation. You still need that creativity. You still need that gut feel. You still need to have empathy for the customer and data has not, the data and the systems to manipulate that data are not to the point where it matches what a human brings to that equation. And I thought that was really interesting. Sure. Um, any advice for the rest of us if we're trying to reach out for people on this level, um, like things that you found worked well to to get them to agree? Well, definitely leveraging whatever network you have to get those first few interviews in a situation like this, and then leveraging those interviews to get more interviews. That was my t- main tactic. So I had a few connections through my writing for Forbes and other things I've done. So I was able, to, for example, uh, I was able to get the CMO for Spotify, Seth Bardman, because I had interviewed the managing director of Spotify for a Forbes article, the managing director for Asia. So I went to her and I said, hey, Sunita, can you help me out here? Can you get me an interview with Seth? And she said, yes, I'm on it. I'll get this done for you. And so she was the one who contacted Seth for me and arranged that interview. And then one of the early ones I reached out to was uh, Kenny Bryan at the Harvard Business School. They have a CMO there. With him, I just emailed him just out of the blue. We had no connections or anything. I just emailed him and said, hey, I'm writing this book. I'd love to have you as an interview in there. And he just responded and said, great, yeah, I'm on it. And he was the very first interview I did. So I got a CMO from Harvard Business School. I got the CMO from Spotify. And as soon as I had those, then every other contact I made was, hey, I'm writing this book. I've been an author for Forbes. And I've already got interviews done with the CMO from Harvard Business School and Spotify. Do you want to be in this book? So, of course, <laughs> first when I'm dropping those names, then the next people on the list are like, oh, yeah, I want to be with those guys. And so then it was easier to get the rest of the interviews in. And then once I had a good list, you know, I had you know, Spotify, Harvard Business School, Home Depot, Target, PayPal. Then it was a piece of cake uh, to get the rest of the interviews because everybody else wanted to be a part of it. Um, one more trick I used there was I was having trouble getting through to some companies, really big companies like GE, and there were other big ones I was targeting. And so I realized these CMOs are really busy and yes, they do have an incentive to be in this book, but they've got so many opportunities to do things like this. So what I, I was thinking, I thought, who really has an incentive to help me out and get these people into the book? And I realized, oh, the PR firms that work for these companies, of course, they would love to get the CMO in mm. this book because it's a, it's a win for them. Mm-hmm. So I started reaching out to the PR firms and saying, hey, I see that you represent GE. 
can you help me get Linda Boff from GE into this book? And the PR firms just went to town helping me out. So I think uh, maybe six or seven interviews came about that way because I reached out to the PR firm and these PR firms, I mean, this is their whole job is to get positive PR. So they were really working hard to arrange some of these interviews for me. And that was really helpful. You know, I, again, I feel like that advice resonates so much with my own experience of the, you know, with the show here, you know, rattling off some of like the fancier sounding people who have been on the show helps people want to be on. And then what's funny is I have like a whole bunch of unanswered emails to like sent to, to big companies that I wish would put somebody on the show. Right. Um, but what's funny is who's reaching out to us is it, it is PR firms. Like now that we've got some bigger numbers, it's like the PR firm representing this Facebook executive or the former president of UPS international or whatever. And so it, it's funny. I hadn't, you know, it's what we need to be doing at our show is reaching out directly to PR instead of just taking requests from PR. But uh, I think that's great insight. Well, listen, um, you've got a couple of things, your agency, MWI.com and, and Josh Um Let's, let's talk about uh, Josh Steinley to begin with. Tell us the, the focus and the, who you're mentoring there and, and what the content is there. Sure. So I've realized as an entrepreneur that my greatest satisfaction is not building businesses. It's not working with clients. It's not producing products and services. It's building teams and seeing the people on those teams progress. And I look at some of the people who work on our team at MWI and where they were when they came into the business and how they've grown and how they've learned a new skills, new abilities, how they've developed as people. And that's really my biggest source of satisfaction. And so with my writing for Forbes and this book, and now I go out and I do speaking engagements and I'm getting paid for that. And doing all of this has attracted people who want to do the same things. And so people are coming to me and they're asking, how do I get in Forbes? How do I get paid to speak? How do I get a book deal? And I didn't have a system set up to handle any of this a year ago, but people were coming to me and offering me money to help them with this. And I said, you know, I don't have time to do this. I'm running a business. And I realized I need to set up a course or a membership website or one of these things that people have out there so that I can spread this experience I have with other people, but in a way that's scalable and makes sense. So that has become the focus lately with joshdimely.com and now I'm launching a brand called Influencer Inc. That's going to be one of the books that I write coming up. And it's going to be all about how do you, how does somebody do this? If you want to be an influencer in the business world and get paid to speak, get book deals, get into these publications and be seen as a thought leader, how do you get started with that? How do you do that? So a lot of the content I'm producing on Josh Timely right now is around that. How do you do that? And I'm setting up courses and I'll be setting up a membership website and things like that because I, that's the knowledge I have. So that's, what's easy to share. And that's what people are coming to me and wanting from me. So that's easy that way. But also that's where I get a lot of satisfaction is being able to pass information along and then see people use that to develop their own careers and themselves as a person. I have I'm not even selling anything yet. I don't have anything. You can't buy anything from me. And 
yet people I've been able to give advice to, one guy's got a book deal already and other people are getting into publications and I'm thinking, man, this is great. Like I'm just sharing stuff that's so easy for me to share and yet people are getting this value out of it. And I just want to expand that, build a team around sharing that information so that other people can grow and have the experience that I've had, which has just been amazing for me. That's great. You know, I think this is a good place to to cut off for part one of the episode. Um, make sure to tune in to part two. We're going to talk to Josh about his advice specifically about how do you get into time or entrepreneur or Mashable or TechCrunch and these kind of places. And uh, we're going to talk about doing business in Asia and uh, some other fun things. So make sure to tune in for our next episode. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for two ninety nine subs. How would you like it? Uh, I'll take Drill Sergeant, please. You got it. All right, now listen up. I want each and every one of you to drop and give me a six-inch meatball marinara, cold-cut combo, veggie delight, or black forest ham on your choice of bread with any veggies you want for just two ninety nine each. Subway! Make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied.